Father God, I praise you for all that you have done, all that you will do, the amazing, uh, Lord, we just come to you today with just the utmost gratitude and thankfulness for the cross and for the forgiveness that we can have through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that our sins went to the cross and that Jesus raised to life victoriously on the third day. And Lord, I praise you for the life change and the abundant life that you offer us and give to us. And so Lord, as we put together these things, I just pray that your spirit will guide us, that all that we do on this, this mission that you've called us to be on, like you've called every gospel preaching, Bible teaching, Jesus following church in the world to be on this great commission to to go into the world and to make disciples to baptize them in the name of your son Jesus and to teach them to obey his teachings God as we join on this mission and then also this great commandment of loving you and loving others Lord as we do this in this this idea of making and guiding fully devoted followers of Jesus in the way that you called us to, Father. Father, I do pray that your spirit will continue to lead us, continue to be foundational in everything that we do in our individual lives and in our church life, in our families, in all that you call us to. So Lord, guide us, lead us by your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that today as we crack open your word and as we raise your name high through these worship songs and through our giving and our generosity and through all that you have made us, Lord, that every fiber of our being will lift high your name so that all we do is for your glory, for your honor, and as a byproduct, a byproduct of that gift, Lord, you give us your joy as we come together to joyfully lift up your name for the things you have done for us that we cannot deserve, that we can only humbly get on our knees before you and receive. Speak to us, Lord, I pray, and guide this service in all that we do. I pray that the Holy Spirit will work on our open hearts, Lord, and where the heart is not open, Lord, may you knock and knock and knock and never give up on us and continue to relentlessly pursue us to surrender. We love you, Jesus. We praise you in your holy name, in the name of your son. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in our second week of the book of Jonah, Jonah and the city. And I hope you uh, took some time this week to, to read through the book of Jonah and familiarize yourself with the story um, the book of Jonah is really awesome. The book of Jonah is, uh, it is written by Jonah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, known as a minor prophet. Um, and, and really that just means that it's one of the smaller prophetic books in the Old Testament. But we talk a lot about Jonah in a lot, in, in a lot of what we do uh, at kind of growing up. Jonah is an interesting book, and I know it, for the most part, there's a good chance that you've heard this story of Jonah and the fish and Nineveh, right? You probably have some familiarity. If you have, uh, but if you have grew up in a Christian home where you read Bible stories, Jonah's a popular story. If you went to Sunday school or Bible school growing up, Jonah's a popular story because it's a narrative. It's something we kind of, we, it's exciting. It's a story that we walk through. So we love to tell the story 
of Jonah, but I know that not everybody grows up in a Christian household. Not everybody grows up going to Sunday school or Bible school. So, so I, I, I still I think it's so important that we take time to look at the power of this story and understand what is happening in the story of Jonah. And it's a beautiful story of God's pursuit of us and God's relentless mercy towards us Meaning he gives us something. He does not give us what we deserve, but instead he gives us grace. An amazing story of God's pursuit of you and his pursuit of me. Now, I love the story of Jonah. So let me quickly, here's kind of where we're at. Last week we talked about chapter one. And in chapter one, where we kind of left Jonah is here's, here's what happened. Just to give you a, a highlight piece of where we're at before we get to the passage we're going to read today, which is Jonah 1.17 through 2.10. So basically all of chapter two plus verse 17. Um, where we left Jonah when we walked out of last week is that Jonah was a prophet who was called by God to go to a city called Nineveh, a city of non-Jewish people, a city of Gentiles, a city of evil and cruel people who did not worship God, did not love God, did all kinds of evil things. He was called by God to go to that city and preach repentance. He went supposed to go to that city and say, hey, you need to bow before God. You need to ask him for forgiveness. You need to turn from your evil ways. And Jonah, knowing this city really, really well, knowing they were popular and well-known city, he knew that their ways were cruel and their ways were hate-filled. And he knew that if he went to this city, one of two things would happen. There's a really, really good chance that they're going to be really, really mad at that, that I, a, a Jewish prophet, showed up and told them that they were living wrong. How many of you hate being told that you're living wrong? That's one of the reasons the gospel of Jesus Christ rubs up against us. Because someone just walked into my life and told me that my life doesn't line up with the creator of the universe. You just told me I'm wrong. That makes me mad. You just told me. And I say, well, wait, hey, hey, Jesus said it. Don't, I'm the messenger, right? Jesus said it. That's one of the reasons why we get so upset about these things. And so what happened was, so if Jonah is thinking in his head, okay, if I go to Nineveh, one of two things will happen. One, these people are going to be so mad that I told them they're living wrong, that they're going to do what they're known for doing, and they're going to cruelly punish me and torture me and kill me, and I'm probably not going to walk back out of Nineveh. I don't want that. Or two... They're going to be so convicted by the Spirit of God when I share this message that they are going to repent and that God is going to forgive them and he's not going to destroy their city. God is going to show mercy on them. And Jonah, being the fabulous man of God that he was, didn't want that either because he hated them so much that he didn't think that God's mercy should be for them. How many of you know somebody that, that you struggle to want to see them come to Jesus because maybe they have crossed you and you say, so I need to get on my, I need to, and I need to pray like Jesus said, to pray for those who persecute me, to pray for those who do wrong to me. God says to pray for these people, but then you feel that sometimes inside of you, right? Where it's like, God, I don't even like them, but I'm supposed to love them. So Lord, I, it's really hard for me to say this, but Lord, I pray that they come to know you before they pass away. 
It's hard to do that sometimes. Jonah didn't want to do that. So what happened in the story of Jonah is Jonah, in, it, he becomes a runaway. He turned and instead of going in, he, he was called from the city, he goes down to Joppa and gets on a boat. When he was supposed to, if he would have just traveled by land 500 miles to the east, northeast, he would have been where he was called to be. But instead, he goes down and he buys a very expensive ticket and he travels, uh, begins to travel across the Mediterranean Sea with the goal of being in southern Spain, 2,500 miles away from the port. So a total of 3,000 miles, the full length Pacific to the Atlantic of the United States, away from where he was supposed to do. He begins to run because he doesn't want God to save them or allow him to be killed. He finds himself on a boat, and on this boat, God sends a storm, and this storm begins to get harder and harder and harder, and they cast lots and find out that he's the guilty party, that he's the one that God is mad at. So these sailors, in their love for Jonah, and they're not, they don't want to hurt him, but he says, listen, if you throw me into the sea, this storm is going to end because I am telling you that the God that created the sea and the land is mad at me, and if you throw me in the water, you guys will be fine. So after trying to not have to do this, they they pick him up and they throw him into the sea. And unbeknownst to Jonah, as he's sinking into the sea, the storm has stopped instantly. The sailors have witnessed a miracle by the God of Jonah, the God of Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham, the God of the Bible, and they make sacrifices to this God and they Worship him. The runaway has found himself in the sea. And where we leave off at the end of verse 16 of the total of 48 verses in the book of Jonah. Where we leave off is Jonah has been thrown into the sea. The seas have calmed. The sailors have sacrificed and worshipped the God of Jonah. And at this moment in the story... At this moment, we could stop, right? We could just stop and we could just assume that Jonah's been thrown into the Mediterranean Sea. We'll just assume he's never to be seen again. It's over. God has dealt handily with him. It's done. God could say, okay, you denied me. You went in the opposite direction that I called you to. I'm done with you. I'll call somebody else to Nineveh. You've proven to me that you're not willing to do hard things when I ask you to do hard things. You just want to do your own thing. You would just rather go over to southern Spain and get a nice little job and ignore your prophet duties, ignore what God's called you to. You just want to go and live your 80 to 100 years and just settle into a nice little trade in a nice little cottage on the outskirts of Tarshish and die a peaceful old man. You want that? No, God said, I'm not having that. I'm going to take care of you. We could just say, this is the end, and we'll assume we're never going to hear from Jonah again. That he'd be lost at sea, paying the penalty for running from God. However, however, mercy, mercy, however, God is merciful. And when 
God moves. And when God has complete control over nature, and when God has a mission that he has called him to, God will achieve the mission and God will give him another opportunity. Another opportunity to follow God. How many of you know today that when you look at the mistakes you've made and the running that you've done and the ignoring of God and the denying of God and the sins that you have chosen to run towards and the the mistakes that you have chosen, because it is a choice, right? Sinning is a choice. The temptations come, the trials come, but we still get to decide if we're going to listen to the temptation and the evil one or if we're going to listen to God. Following God and being obedient to God is not part of your physical nature. You need the Holy Spirit's guidance and you need an act of your own decision to say, yes, I'm going to listen to God. I'm not going to choose to just go down this follow what feels good, looks good, and is for my own good pleasure, but to see the better side of following Jesus. But how many of you know that God is merciful towards us? That he doesn't give us what we deserve, but he moves and he loves us. So we all have moments like that when we think it's over. But what we're about to see and what we're about to read is that It is absolutely never too late. That as long as God is still giving you breath, as long as God has not allowed you to pass away, as long as you're still breathing, as long as you're still inhaling and exhaling, God is pursuing you. And his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness can reach you. Even though in our heads sometimes we think, Thou, that one's too big. That one's too ugly. I did that for 20 years. You've got to be kidding me. God doesn't forgive that. So God and the world have got to be done with me. However, God is merciful. God is merciful. And on the days when you think I have done too much, he will not listen to me, those are the days when you really need to lay it at his feet. Because those are the days that the guilt becomes conviction and the conviction becomes a call to the creator of the universe, the creator of you and I, the one who sent Jesus to come and die on the cross in our place. Those are the days when you make progress. Those are the days when you're open and ready for what God has for you. God is a God of mercy. And we'll see this here from our friend and brother, Prophet Jonah. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Jonah chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 17 and then hit verse 1. So follow along. Um, And Maddie's going to put it on the screen for us as well. So we left him being thrown into the sea. What's going to happen next? Verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So God arranged for a great fish. Think about this for a second here. God arranged. Okay, so this is God. Now here's something I think sometimes people get hung up on. All right, you know, I mentioned this a little bit last week. People are like, well, I don't know if I can believe in a God who can, you know, 
You don't believe, like, can someone survive in the belly of a fish for three days? Can somebody, can, who can part the Red Sea? All these things uh, in, that happen in the Bible, how do we believe that? And I think, you know, when I look at stuff like this, I say, so the Lord arranged for a great fish. Remember, we serve the God who created everything, okay? He created you, Every fiber of your being, everything in nature, he created it. And, and as we saw, he, he has complete control over all these things. And so, and so you can say, well, you know, does, it, are there any fish in the whole world that can house a man for three days? People speculate, but the true answer is probably not. But remember, the same God who miraculously rose Jesus from the dead, as we'll see the parallel in all of this, rose Jesus from the dead victorious. This is the same God who, whenever Jonah ran, he sent a storm, and when, during the nice season, during sailing season, he sends a storm, and whenever Jonah doesn't get out of the boat, he sends a harder storm, and then as soon as he's out of the boat, he stops the storm. So don't you think that the same God who can control the weather is also a God who can preordain or predesign a fish that can, can be arranged and provided and called to a specific moment, maybe even have a cavity in his stomach that is specifically designed for Jonah that he can spend three days in there. And this isn't a happy place, right? I mean, it's probably pretty rank, but he's in this. And don't you think we serve a God who can also, if he can send a fish at the right time that's prepared at the right time, also turn off the digestive system for a few days? This is not challenging if you believe in the supernatural power of who the God we serve is. The Bible is full of miracles. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, this is easy stuff. And you don't have to give up your mind to believe it. You don't have to stop thinking to believe it. You don't have to be uneducated to believe it. So let's keep going. Verse 2 says, Then Jonah prayed to God, prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple." I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Amen. Obviously, let's see some things, some cool things about this. Jonah is, you know, Jonah's you see some of the past tense. He's kind of writing, rewriting this prayer of what God has done in his life. And it's a beautiful prayer to see how God is moving in his 
life. Now, there's a lot of pieces in, in this that we can kind of talk through, but there's a certain direction that I think that we need to understand as we, we look at this. See, see, what happened in this moment is as our understanding of how big God's mercy is. Because on the, on the onset, we might look at this and say, he got swallowed by a whale. Like, is Jonah really feeling God's mercy today? Every time I turn around, it gets worse. It just keeps happening. God keeps coming at me. But let's think about this from a, from a different kind of perspective. See, God called Jonah to a city called Nineveh full of sinners. And Jonah turned and fled. He fled. He's like, I'm out of here. And so God and his servant, they, they parted ways in anger. And the anger began on Jonah's side when he decided to flee and run the other direction. But we hope, we hope for them to be reunited. We hope for them to reconcile. And what we see here is that even though God is sending these storms, he's sending these things upon Jonah, we see that Jonah has initiated running, but God has initiated reconciliation. Because God is constantly trying to get Jonah's attention. He's constantly saying, hey, I know you don't want anything to do with me today. I know you want to die an old man in Tarshish. That's fine, but listen, I don't want that to be the case, so I'm going to continue to pursue you. As God, God, uh, he pursues reconciliation, he appoints a great fish to swallow him up that will preserve him and deliver him from this prison, this grave that he finds himself in. And I don't know if you see this, but this is an invitation to one more opportunity to turn. Because this same God who can create a fish that is uniquely designed to hold a man alive for three days, giving Jonah the opportunity to repent, is certainly a God who can also flip on the digestive system. Ah! So you're not ready yet. Okay, let's just stir this up a little bit. Now, here's the thing that I want you to see at the beginning of this prayer See, it's a beautiful prayer. And in this prayer, we have the great distress and the danger that he was in. We have the despair that he was reduced to. We have encouragement that he took to himself from his deplorable condition. We have the, the assurance that he had God's favor on him as he, as he praised these things to the Lord. We have a warning and an instruction that he gives to other people. And we have praise and glory from a God who loves him and pursues him. And God is constantly pursuing us, but sometimes pursuing us doesn't look the way we want it to look, but it is in that pursuit that God has a plan and God has a call for you. And at the beginning of this prayer, he says the words, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Some of the other versions of the Bible, we're reading this one in the New Living Translation because Jonah is a narrative, but some of the other versions of the Bible Use the word affliction. 
And I love that word, that understanding of the word affliction. Because as God was pursuing him, he was, he was causing these pains and these sufferings to come into his situation, to come into his story. And it was in that affliction that Jonah calls on the name of the Lord. He says, I was caused to call out to God and he answered me and I called to him from the land of the dead. So picture this, the, the idea of the truth of this great fish symbolizing Jonah's grave. He was literally, quite literally, right? Like he was on the brink of death. He was standing on the edge of his own grave. He was sitting in a fish that to all accounts could very well be his demise. And in this moment of sitting in this fish, while he's still alive, while he still has his consciousness, it's God put him in this fish, and this fish could be your end. But it is in that moment, at the very last moment, in that moment of affliction, that he makes one last prayer offered to God. God gives him one last opportunity to repent, one last opportunity to stop running, one last opportunity to call on his name. And it's in that affliction that he reaches down and he calls from that bottomless pit, he calls on the name of the Lord. So many times for us in, in, in our lives, we're, we're uh, even under this sense of sin and this notion of God is displeased with us, the call is to pray, to still pray, that when we're under affliction, we pray. In fact, that's when our, we need to urgently run to the throne of grace and, and offer it all out to God because Jonah was in that situation. He's in this moment of affliction where he's like, there is literally nothing that he can do to get himself out of this fish. He was in that moment. Was, the only thing that's gonna fix this is the God of the land and sea to come down and rescue me. I need God's mercy more today than I have ever needed his mercy. So as he stands on the edge of his own demise, he calls on the name of the Lord with gratitude for all that he has done and all that he will do. And if not then, then when? So from Jonah's experience, this reminds us that even when humanly speaking, it's too late. Even when humanly speaking, all things about the physical being or the situation just looks like there's just no chance. God can and does answer our cries for help. That God will hear your cry for help. And that's the big idea here, is to understand that when Jonah literally hits rock bottom, the, the scripture actually says that he was in his impending death at the bottom of the sea, he's near the roots of the mountain. So even in this moment, he's at the roots of the mountains. He's at the bottom. He's at this place where he's now got nothing. He's got nothing. He is at the very, very bottom, rock bottom. But it is even in that moment 
that he calls on the name of the Lord and the Lord all the way down there is fully aware and fully attentive and able to save him from that lowest point able to rescue him and he he rescues him and he redirects his thoughts and he redirects his actions and he puts him back on dry land and sends him forth on the mission that he's called him to see we need to understand and believe that God hears our prayers that God hears our prayers he saves us He creates space for us as we listen and we obey. And it is in our lowest points. When the devil is whispering in your ear, God isn't going to hear your prayer. I know what you've done. You know what you've done. God's pulling back. However, God's mercy. And yet we find ourselves so often for days on end, maybe weeks on end, months on end, years on end, believing the lies of the evil one that God doesn't want anything to do with you. That you ran from God, you are destined to die in the belly of that fish. But we serve a God of mercy. We serve a God who, if you call on his name, isn't going to give you what you deserve. He's going to give you grace. He's going to, as you open your heart, he's going to give you salvation. And you can receive that. You can receive that. So he hears our prayers, he saves us, he creates space for us as we listen and obey him. And at the end of this passage, right after the prayer, the fish in, 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 in God's beautiful, the, the beautiful picture of this, this fish is as, as Jonah sits in this filthy place that I'm sure smelled terrible, I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted to light a match in that place, I'm sure it was not a good place to hang out, but it's in the, the end of the story as God answers his prayer and gives him one more chance, he's vomited, right? He is upchucked onto the dry beach to be sent out. And in some ways this symbolizes that God's got mercy, but hey man, you made a mess, so you just you walked in Nineveh sopping wet. Right? You you just get going. But in some ways this kind of we see like even though God has mercy for him, he's still maybe a little bit disgruntled with this guy as he's vomited out onto dry land and he's like, "Okay, okay, go." Go, I love you, I forgive you, I trust you. Now go. I want I got some things I want to do and you are still my missionary you could just you could say that these are the worldly consequences of running from god being drenched in vomit <laughs> as we all have but god's mercy is big and i want to close out with this before the worship team comes to help you see as god has called This is the beauty of the parallel. Jonah spent three days in a grave, a whale. And at the end of those three days and three nights, he was vomited onto the shore and he was sent by God to a city called Nineveh filled with sinners who were not Jewish, They were not, it was not Israel. They were just ordinary people, Gentiles. He was sent to that city filled with sinners to preach repentance. To preach, hey, God knows what you did. 
and you're living on borrowed time, and here in about 40 days, he's going to destroy you like he did Sodom and Gomorrah, probably some other way, and, and it's not going to be a good time. But I want you to know, he, he got, came out of that supposed grave, and he went on mission to preach repentance to sinners. And some 700 years later, Jesus, after three days in a grave, he rose to life, physical and spiritual life. And he began to equip and to preach, along with his apostles, repentance to the sinners in every city on the planet. Every race, every nationality, every sinner in the world called to repentance. The beautiful parallel that is the story of Jonah. And this is the invitation that we all have to go into the world and preach repentance. The invitation that we have in the story of Jonah is no matter how deep, no matter how lost, no matter how long you've been running from God, no matter how ugly or disgusting the pit that you're sitting in is today mercy mercy he loves you enough to welcome you home to welcome you on to dry land and restore the mission he's called you on to send you back out to achieve the purposes he has for you to save your soul that you also can go out and share the message of Jesus with others. If you're sitting in a fish today, God is not done with you. God is pursuing you and he wants to extend mercy and all he wants you to do is in your moment of affliction to get on your knees before him and repent and admit that you need him and he will wipe your slate clean. He will restore you to new life. He will give you abundant life. He will forgive all that you have done, all of the running and send you back on mission for him. That's how much he loves you. So let's pray and worship together. The altars are open if anyone would like to pray. Father God, I thank you for this story, for this truth of that, that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how hard or deep rock bottom is for us, Lord, that you rescue us, that you can redirect us, that you can change us, and that you are hearing our prayer and that you are in the business of saving souls. It's not what the preacher says, what, what the church says, but it's what God has said. And we are nothing more than the conduit of the Spirit to say, hey, let me help you see Jesus. This is what you call us to do. So Lord, I pray, Lord, if there is anyone here today that looks at their life and their situation and the mistakes that they've made and they say, you know what? I might as well be sitting in a fish. Lord, may they know that today, 
you are still pursuing them, that your mercy is still big enough for them, and that they too can walk away on dry land victorious, back on mission and with the assurance of heaven. We praise you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.